Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 91. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to be talking about the benefit of not rushing to put all our eggs in one basket. Hey, and I'm Todd, and excited to be with you today. And I'm going to talk about the need for us to rhythmically remind ourselves of God's good design for our sexuality. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 91. So glad to have you with us. Uh, Pastor Todd, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, excited for this series. We're delving into uh, kind of all of these things in the area of biblical sexuality. And uh, I think it takes courage today to talk about it, um, but also important that we're talking yeah, about it. Absolutely. So um, let's just talk you know, a little bit about the, the reason behind this series, what prompted, like, hey, we need to get after this. And um, yeah, what was kind of the stirring behind it for you? Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, I always talk about my time at HCC as 1.0, 2.0. My first 14 years here, I would just think about how we were doing as a church. And one of the things I was really glad about and proud of was our student ministries. And I think this is still true today, this hasn't changed would just do a great job of very consistently, maybe annually, processing with our students, hey, this is God's design for sexuality, how it relates to you if you may be dating or want to date, what you were thinking about ultimately related to marriage, what God's design for sex is. And I just always appreciated that. That was that not every youth ministry does that. But then reflecting on the fact that while our students are getting a pretty good, like rhythmic, um, message on God's design. I don't know that we as a church for a host of reasons maybe did the same thing mm. and, and to do it annually in February, not necessary, but how often. And that's where when we were beginning to put together this year's teaching series calendar, um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But one of the ones in my mind is kind of like how Pastor Tom's in such a great job in the area of stewardship. We're going to talk about God's design for the way that you steward the resources he entrusts to you. We're going to do that about every 18 months. And so I was thinking of this topic of sex and God's design for our sexuality, which is even bigger than just the actual idea of sex. And just thinking, I think this is so needed in our world today where there are so many voices and some of them are so matter of fact, this is just truth. This is how this is. And realizing that doesn't jive at all with God's word. His, mm. The Bible teaches something so different. And so when do we begin to have a voice into that arena, which I don't even need us to do that culturally. I just want to do that for our church, right? Yeah. Like I'm not trying to change the culture, even though the culture needs a lot of changing. I just want to help our church family be informed biblically. This is what God says he created. He's the designer. Yeah. And um, so that's why the desire. And I think after we lay a foundation in this series that we'll be able to have, like we said this weekend, super big rocks, super big ideas, and not a lot of the nuancing or specifics, but that'll give us the ability to do that later on, to draw from that. Like, hey, if you weren't here for the handle with care, which by the way, I love the comm team does such a great job with that. Thanks. I just love the, the, just the visual, the, the metaphor is powerful. I just think the design work's been great. So props to you guys. It turned out really good. Thank you. But um, yeah, I just think that'll be a thing we'll look back on and go that laid a foundation so we can address some other things in the future. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you said this weekend that we're not trying to respond to a specific issue or a specific circumstance. And I think that that's honestly, um, you know, it might not have hit people strangely um, this weekend, but I think if people were to sit on that a little bit, that does hit them strangely when it comes to church talking about sex. Generally, most people's experience with the church talking about sex has to do with a response to something that we're against, something that we don't like, a, a movement or something that we're seeing decided on politically that we're uh, opposed to, or there's there's always context. There's this outside context. And it's like, we care about what God's word says, but really we care about this other thing and sure. we can't stand this, this, or this. And that's not this series. It's been on the teaching calendar for a long time. It's not, um, and like you said, trying to build a rhythm of just like we talk about money about every 18 months to say we need to be talking about this regularly not just a a one-time response to something that we're really against i think that's maybe going to be difficult for people though sitting in on a weekend that they're so used to the context what what drives the context otherwise what are other reasons that we're coming to the to this idea outside of you know all the things that we're against all the things that we um you know, feel like, oh, maybe we're icked out by this or we don't like this. What are, what's driving the heart behind this series? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. And to me, it comes back to, I think people, especially in the church, have developed, I, in one of the services, I didn't do it in all three, but there's a marriage book that I thought was well done. And when it came to the topic of sex in a marriage context, it said that, often people will in even married couples will look at it as either gross they'll look at it as a god like mm. this is the idol in my life you happen to be the conduit of how i can achieve that or as as intended good god's mm. good gift and and so i feel like that's one of the biggest things is i want to help people not only understand but value and appreciate god's great design mm. We would say this about so many things, about the character and the ways of God. God, I can't believe how beautiful you are when I see a desert sunset. I can't believe how trustworthy you are when I see you walk me through just a deep valley. But I look back and I see so much purpose, right? And just all these aspects of who God is that we keep experiencing and knowing in his word and living in our lives, God is good. Mm. This aspect of his gift in sexuality, I just think is so misconstrued. And it, like you said, it's usually only talked about negatively. And, and to be fair, interestingly enough, as I was doing study for this series, there is so much more in scripture proportionately of the don'ts than the do's. Back to your yep. message a few weeks ago. And that's, that's of interest to me, primarily because on the one hand, because of our wiring and the way God's made us, <laughs> we want to be involved sexually. I mean, the problem is in the wrong ways, yeah. you know? So there needs to be this limiter. I think even back when we look in, you know, the, the, the first five books of the Bible, a lot of Leviticus is don't do these things. Why? Well, number one, because all the people that you're going to be living among do, and they're a train wreck. They will injure you, they're not for your good. But also, if you do, 
you're going to mess up God's good design for your life. Mm. And so I, I want to, I think there's great balance that the don'ts are there for a reason. There's some good things to be mindful of and, and we need to probably hear that. We don't want to be so just to the one side of this issue, but the problem is we're usually only on that side of the issue yeah. of sexuality, never about God's good, beautiful, perfect design of sex within a covenantal marriage. Yeah. And so um, it's been my heart is to go, let's move it away from there. And by the way, when people think that sex is gross, let's be real honest, it's often because they've had some really rough experiences. They've been abused. They've been deeply hurt. They've been used, fill in the blank. And so it's like, they have such a already a, they're coming from a place of hurt and brokenness i get that like i can understand why they would say it's gross in the sense of that triggers a bunch of negative in my life some of my deepest wounds might be about what's gone on sexually in my life and the problem with it being a god that's exactly so true as well is that this is the pinnacle of my life happens to happen in my marriage relationship even if we're trying to live according to God's design and even then I'm not looking at my spouse for the totality of who God has made them to be in just this one dynamic and to be fair I'm really not even looking at my spouse I'm I'm just all about what I want self-gratification yeah so that that gift that good gift is what i really want this series to be able to kind of bubble to the top and really see and like we said this weekend get very um become very um well informed and well um there's a better word for it but um well connected to the original mm. this is god's design Let's get very used to that and very connected to it. So then we'll know what every, everything else is a counterfeit. Yeah. Right. This is the real thing. Match up anything different to it. And I know that falls in the category of a, a distortion or a deviation from God's design. Mm. And in all of that pursuit of people experiencing the real heart of being able to enjoy God's design, uh, of being able to be confident about it too. I think that's an underrated thing about knowing and reading scripture is this confidence that it gives us to say, man, I, I know what this was designed for. I know what this was intended for. I'm not like confused or up in the air about what the purpose or the place for this is. I think that's helpful for anybody to be able to confidently keep it in the right spot. Um, but at, at the root of all of that, we start with the idea of gender. Why do you feel like gender? I, I loved the, um, I think a quote that you read this weekend that said that our culture is trying to separate gender and sexuality. Like they're two distinct things um, when they're, they're just not and they can't be separated. Why, why do you think that gender is such a significant foundation for everything that comes forward in God's design for sexuality. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, a comment that I made <clears throat> when we talked about our resource list, which again, great job as the comm team, just making that so sharp. And I appreciate our pastors who contributed different ideas and, and the re re references is so good. Um, but when I talked about that, I made a comment at the end that every book that I have read, everything I've listened to on this topic of sexuality 
always begins with the creation of a man and a woman in a garden. Mm. And what flows from Genesis 1 and 2, and even the realities of what was broken in 3, is really the foundation for everything else. And I was, so I was so impressed in my research that literally every book I read started with, let's go back to here's the original, the blueprint, sin br- breaks it up, and this is what we were living in since. But even though we're living in this sinful, distorted state, doesn't mean that God's design for us still isn't the original. And what flows out of what is a man, what is a woman, how do they bring these compatible, con- this, um, oh, there's that word I use, the idea. Complementary. Yeah, complementary, but even uh, counterpart. Mm. This counterpartism to each other, I just think is so beautiful. And the interesting thing is, I know that that first couple is also the first married couple in in scripture and in all of human history. But I think there's even something before we even talk about them being married, that there's something beautiful. And that's tried to make much of that this weekend, that they weren't just made in the image of God. They're made male and female. Mm. And there's something about some of the distinctions that a male, a man has that images who God is, that is unique and distinct from the way that a woman images who God is. Mm. They're both image bearers. Neither of them are incomplete in that reality. But I think it's the even the differences, even our unique aspects of who God is. Yeah. And I, I, I think that there's something unique actually about that coming together of male and female because it it represents so fully the character and the nature of God in the Trinity and this communal aspect and the fact that um, there can be unity with those three things in God's case and two things in our reflection of it that are so different from one another and have such different roles and things that they do and ways that they function with each other, but they're still so unified and so bound together. And I think there's something beautiful in God's design there that really fully embodies the the image bearing of who he is and what he's about. I think we're working on all of our cylinders when we're experiencing that in our marriages, that we're not in a competition and we're not trying to derive, I have more value or worth than you do. What we're trying to do is be a great team. Yeah. Right? And I and the team, just like a team in a, any kind of a team sport, has different positions, has different roles. So it's not as though we're trying to say, well, in a team, we're just in every way, everything is exactly the same. But we bring these differences together and we live out, I believe, the design of God when we're just great teammates. Yeah. I was thinking last night about even couples that I know who really demonstrate that to me, that I'm up close and personal to. And I was just thinking of our directional team. George and Cassie do such a great job. They're such a great team, not just in their ministry functions and the ways they love to encourage couples and individuals and whatnot, but they just, you you watch them and you see the way that they really bring two different kinds of things to the table as a man and a woman. And they, and they really have this great sense of team. Kurt and Wendy, the same way. They're two different teams, Yeah. but Kurt and 
many in the same way they bring their giftedness they bring their passions that are aligned and they're and, and i love this phrase right years ago um i was interview i was um doing a reference call for one of our staff members and i remember asking that reference hey tell me about this person's marriage and i just love the phrase he's like hey she makes him better mm. and i just thought man I don't need to hear anything else. Yeah, that's a good marriage because that's what we should be doing, and that's that's what a good team does, right? A good team in those places where I am don't have weakness, the other person has strength, mm. and we carry each other at different points. And I just think it's so good. So <clears throat> there's something about again back to God's perfect design that He knew that there's bringing these two together in their differences. When when we work instead of out of sinfulness and wanting to be, I want you to serve me, or I want you to you know be the one I puppet around. If we'll stop that and instead go, God, he or she brings so much to the table. I want to complement that with how you've designed me. Let's be a great team together, and that's just beautiful to me. Yeah, and I think there's so much in in God's design that we miss out on because I and I and I get it I get why it's really hard for people to separate failings that they've seen in a church context to equally value both genders and sexes and to honor and and esteem them equally and that failing in the church context makes it feel as though or seem as though that that was always God's design or intention and it's really hard to separate the two to say there are many examples in a church context that are fallen and broken and and riddled with sin and they do not perfectly embody or represent what God's initial design is which is so good and so fulfilling for both men and women that neither was subject to the other or in competition with the other but was what what our souls long for so badly to be known and loved and cherished by someone yeah. that was that was God's design and you think about man any moment that you felt that in your life how compelling that is how you just want more of it and you want to be around whatever that that person is that's bringing that to your life like that is that is what our, our souls long for and so you've got that beautiful thing in God's design that I think now in our sinful world that has marred so much of this you know you did a great job talking about the competition that it's brought to gender and all of those kind of things i think that it's hard for people to understand that some of the things that they've maybe seen in church context are not a direct implication of what god's initial yeah, design not is. according to god's design even on that point what i thought was really interesting one of the podcasts i was listening to one of the authors where uh, suggesting people look more into is Jackie Hill Perry and she has a podcast with her husband and uh, meet the Perry's does that sound right I think so and as I was listening one thing that was really interesting I would listen to a whole um, episode on the way that she would say church culture and she's not even talking about quote the world but church culture has put so much on her as a woman that is not biblical but is saying you need to look, you need to dress, you need to act, you need to behave, you need to have certain responsibilities in your home. This is all of what makes a woman. And her whole point is 
I want to live out being a woman according to God's word. Mm. You're putting all these, these other cultural entrapments, none of them are biblical, but yet you're saying that's what even not just makes me a woman, but a good Christian woman. And I just thought it was a really good episode to realize back to your point about the church misconstruing things. That's another part. And I mentioned that just in passing, talking about the caricatures we've made of men and women that that we're just as guilty in the church. I think so more for women than men, Yeah. but women are to be and look and do a certain thing. And I would just ask, and like we mentioned, there are some biblical directives that women, and then if their role even includes wives or moms, are to have, but there's so much more we've added to that and then put it under the guise of that's a good Christian woman. Yeah. And I go, okay, but that's, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's what your culture, you've kind of brought into an extra culture. There's a thing I saw online even about these, and I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but it's short for traditional trad wives. Mm. And it's like this growing thing of people who are loving being a wife like the 50s, the June Cleaver, Leave it to Beaver era. And on the one hand, I don't have a problem with that. The problem is if that's like anything else, this is the way to be a woman. And my point is, it wasn't then, and it's not today. Mm. And we have to keep coming back to, God, what does your word teach that's timeless? That's for all people, all places, all cultures of what God has called a woman to be, God's called a man to be. Let's really hunker down on those. Let's drive our roots deep into that. And let's let the other be person to person, preferential personality yeah Yeah. that's fine there's meant to be room for preferences but when we've turned a preference into a directive or a command of god we're we're on shaky ground yeah yeah so important and i think what this series is driving us at is man we want to cling to god what god's word says we want to cling to what he is saying the design is where there is like you said, there's so many don'ts in the biblical ethic related to sexuality that where there are green pastures, you're going to know because there's not a lot of don'ts it, there. Yeah. You know, it'll be obvious. It'll be obvious. Yeah. And so let's take those green pastures where they are, but then also let's be, you know, um, really diligent about clinging and adhering to uh, what his word says because we trust that his ways are better than ours. And, um, and, and I thought a great place for it to end this weekend talking about where there is confusion in gender, we need clarity that comes from God's word. But where there is rebellion, we need repentance. And so I'm curious what you would say for somebody that was sitting there this weekend or goes back and listens to it this week and says, man, I, I'm in that confusion era, area or I'm in that rebellion era, area. What would it look like to pursue clarity? What would it look like to pursue repentance as those next steps? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think for me, one of the conversations I wasn't able to bring it up, but we had it with our, some of our youth staff, um, last week on the confusion side, if you back up, let's say 25 years ago, um, what's been normal for all of human history is that especially a person in adolescence, 16 year old, might have a glancing look as a guy to add another guy and have some degree of attraction and even go, what was that? That feels different. That's not, I've been kind of through puberty and I kind of, I'm like girls, but that was weird. 
and put it in the that was weird category and may never have another fleeting attraction at all to a man the rest of his life. Fast forward to today, same thing, same 16 year old, same locker room situation, mm -hmm. has an attraction to this other young man and now all of a sudden I must be gay. I must be bisexual. I might, the point is there are so many labels that are out there that exist that this young, the same young man 25 years ago, I don't think would have been nearly as apt to believe I must be something other than what God's created me to be. And that's the problem is there's so, I, the confusion to me is understandable, especially I had good conversations this weekend with high school teachers, public school teachers, you just say, Todd, this is a challenge, man. I'm living in this world and, and our students are so confused. I love them, I care for them, and I just see confusion all over their lives. And so if I am in a place where I am confused about aspects of my sexuality and if I heard even this week of God's design for men and for women and I'm I'm wondering or I've even being told I'm something other than that then I think a great place to go is hey is there a Christian I trust because we might even be talking about someone someone even maybe watching this episode today might not even have a, a direct connection even to a youth pastor at High Desert Church or even a, another church, but someone that you know and trust who loves Jesus and has a decent understanding of his word, just to say, can I just have an honest conversation? I do think one of the interesting uh, benefits of our over-sexualized culture, I feel like younger adults can talk more openly about sex and their sexuality than we could it's a few generations taboo. ago. Yeah. So back to that 25 years ago, I, I, if I did feel that, I wouldn't even know who to talk. I know, like, I'm not going to bring that up. I think there's more of an openness. That's the kind of, if you could call that the upside. And so I would just say, talk to someone who loves Jesus, who could look at God's word with you, ask you good questions from that all the way to a youth pastor, to a Christian counselor. I mean, a, any other pastor, I mean, anyone on that continuum and go, can you help me? Because I will tell you, those have been some of the richest conversations I've had in a pastoral counseling moment is someone who has a genuine confusion about their sexuality and it gives me an opportunity to ask good questions that gives us an opportunity to look at god's word and i just so appreciate that and that's what that point was is that often in our confusion though we don't run towards god mm. we either stay put which i think often with gravity is the same thing as running away from god which is the other option so on the on the confusion side clarity yeah and I think the, um, the interesting thing is you see this increase, like you were saying, young people are jumping to that de decision and conclusion much quicker yeah. than ever before because they're being taught that there's no, there is no healthy distrust of my attraction or my emotions, but everything is, is truth. And so I whatever I feel in that moment, well, that must be, and so there's kind of all this pressure that comes with it. And conversations, I've had lots with young adults about that exact situation. And what is that? What does that mean? Like, uh, down to, I don't like the, like, I, I really want to be a part of the church, and I don't like the implication of being gay, and I, I, I hope that's not true for me. And it's like, 
whoa, we're talking about a, a one-off circumstance and we've already jumped all the way down the rabbit hole of what's my life going to look like as a gay person in the church, yeah. which is there's going to be a spot for you. There's a place for you sure. to belong, but let's not even go there yet. Like, let's start with, I, I think if we can walk that back at least to in that conversation, hey, I, I think I might, I might have weird attractions like i don't know what to make of this I, I i might be gay but i don't i don't know that i'm just trying to figure out what's going on man i think if that pendulum can shift from such confidence to like man i'm gonna put all my eggs in this basket this is apparently who i am to like let me have a a little bit of a healthy distrust there yeah i don't i don't know if this is what's going on and if it is there's a future for me that's not the problem but let's figure out first if it's going on yeah then we can figure out the road from there. Is this really a thing? And in some ways, I mean, it sounds weird to say it this way, but a thing that you heard growing up in our home was your mom was really good at saying, don't borrow trouble. Yeah. And what I mean by that is don't get so ahead of yourself of all these things that may or may not be true when I don't even understand what just happened. Yeah. Let's try to unpack that. Let's look for that pattern or lack thereof. Let's, and then, and then we'll figure out where that goes. But it's often, like I said, the overwhelming normal experience for most people in that, let's say at least that teenage window of life is they will have an experience like that. And that's it. Literally a fleeting moment of some sort of attraction that fades and never comes back again. And it's like, I don't have to peg myself as something because I had this one fleeting thing or even in and even sometimes in experience right a lot of things are experiential but that experience doesn't define me yeah. so it's like back it up and i think again the problem is because the the labels are so prolific and so readily like you must be whoa 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 that's not necessarily true at all yeah when for so long we have walked life with the healthy distrust of no junior higher knows what their sexuality is mm -hmm. and very few high schoolers know confidently what their sexuality is mm. in the sense that those things are still being developed in you you're going through puberty you're kind of figuring out like and what what things am i attracted to and e even i think people who go through uh, junior high and high school and they're clearly attracted to the same sex all the way through like why why am i attracted to mm -hmm. the sex that i'm attracted to that's not even clear in those stages because so much is developing. And so if we can just get back to the healthy distrust of those, like I'm figuring it out and I'm kind of stumbling through this, that's okay. Like yeah. ask people, it's a more open topic for us to talk about today. Bring other people into that instead of just jumping in, putting all our eggs in that basket. And my only caveat to that is the people I am bringing into that conversation. Yes. Would they have the understanding, the uh, uh, the capability of helping me find truth on the topic. Because again, everybody and their brother has an, an opinion, opinion on the subject, but where do I find truth? And so yeah. as long as those people I'm pulling in love Jesus and can help me with his word and understand it, then I think that I'm moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's good. And then on the repentance side, if somebody is like, no, I'm not confused, yeah. I'm just in rebellion, what would the what would the next steps look like there i think you made a great point a moment ago that there is a place for you 
This is one of the hardest things is that I think there's this interesting mixed messaging, right? You have some churches that say there is a place for you. Don't change. Be who you are, how you love, who you're attracted to. Just come be a part of our church. We, we wouldn't agree with that. But similarly, when we say there's a place for you, we say there's a place for all kinds of sinful, broken people. And we would say the same message to all of them. Be transformed by the gospel and the indwelling spirit of God in your life. And there is indeed a place for you. So, and it's not clean yourself up and come, it's come. But in that There's response, an expectation of growth and transformation that over there, time. That will happen. And so I think that's really important from the beginning when we talk about what, what, what then, if I'm already in this track, if I've already been living this way, now what? I think it begins with a hope and a, and a confident hope that I can be, I can find a place um, within a, a church family like High Desert Church. Um, and then I think this, it's been, I've had a couple, there, it's a fewer amount of just really significant conversations with people who are exactly in this place. And one of the things we talk about is I ask them, you've obviously been living with this kind of expression of your sexuality for some time, not for decades, but years. Why would you, what is, why are you here talking to me today? Meaning, what do you want to see change? And it's a powerful how often my conversations have not been, I realize the design of God. I want better. Hmm. I want his best for me. It's not that, even though that's powerful. But my experience has been, this is not good. This is not good for me. It's not good for the people I'm with. This, there's got to be something better. And that's usually the catalyst for that conversation in my experience. I'm not saying it's true for everyone. But then in that conversation, then that's what's kind of then a really neat opportunity is that's not any different than someone I've talked to who has struggled with drug abuse, mm. someone who is in a very difficult marriage, someone who has a child who has walked away and they don't know what to do with themselves, a young adult who is squandering their life, whatever. This is not working. I need help. That's all the same. Issues are different, but the, the bottom line is, what do I do? And that's, that's a beautiful place to be because that's when someone will really understand the gravity of not only do I need to repent because I've just said that, <laughs> meaning in my words, <clears throat> as I'm walking through this process, I know this isn't working. Yeah. I know this can't be God's best for me. So I want to confess that as sin. I want to process what does a 180 degree turn look like? Because that's true, again, for every one of those scenarios that I mentioned beyond yeah. even gender confusion or gender rebellion, we'd say in this case. So as I do, what does that repentance look like 180 degrees different than how I've been living and are there going to be people who are going to walk with me so I can begin to get my land legs moving now towards God's direction and I think that's where it comes to sometimes it's repentance of God I'm a sinner <clears throat> that I need a savior mm. and I have been living apart from your design in every year of my life my whole life would you please rescue me mm. <clears throat> other times the conversation is I put my faith in Christ a long time ago, but for this last season, for sure, I've been living out of his design. I knew that in advance, 
I didn't think it was that far off. Now I know it is. So now it's that return of going, God, will I renew my belief that you did have my good in mind all along? Would I confess it as sin? Would I do that 180 degree turn? Would I have people around me, right back to community, who are going to walk with me as I get my land legs walking a new direction? Yeah. And I think that's what that that not only personal repentance would mean, but also helping ensure that decision is going to last versus other decisions we've all made in our lives. God, this is going to be different. Nothing changes. This is going to be different. Nothing changes. Things change when I say, God, I recognize it as sin. I'm beginning to turn my feet around in the right direction and I need people to help me. I'm walking with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's so, um, so important to not make that turn alone. And the encouragement that I would give to anybody walking away from a message like this this weekend, if there is any conviction in them that the way that they're going about this area of their life and gender um, that is not right, is not good, man, don't. Don't like just let that conviction go. That's a that's a good thing that there is a, a level of conviction in you that this isn't working. And don't be don't for a second be embarrassed or ashamed to bring that to people in community here at High Desert Church and say, Man, I, I need to make a change. I need to I need to turn from the route I've been going and turn towards him. And man, I there is nobody who should respond poorly to that because that is the turn and the decision we have all made. That's what binds us together as a community is we had all been going our own way, still catch ourselves going our own way in different areas and in faith turn and choose his way as better, choose him as better than uh, the ways that we were set on before. So um, man, if, if that conviction's there, don't, don't just let it fizzle would be the encouragement. Um, man, I'm excited for the rest of this series. I think there's going to be good conversations ahead. Um, I think there's a healthy level of discomfort in wading into these waters, but there's a lot of benefit in saying not this is, this is our best shot at what we think these things are. This is what God's word says. And we want to do a good job of making sure that people are aware of that. And so I'm excited for conversations that will come throughout the series. Me too. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And uh, thanks for joining us this week on Tangible Takeaways. Uh, That's all we have for this week. Don't forget to like the video, share it with a friend, leave a comment there, letting us know uh, some questions or takeaways that you have from this weekend's message. And if you want to get access to that series resource list, uh, don't forget to text the word laundry to 64567. But that's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.